you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 14. We are continuing on in our series called The Word, a study. And I, I, I want to make sure that I don't say a study in the gospel of John, right? Because it is the gospel of Jesus. It is the good news of Jesus according to John. And so we are studying John. Uh, we started chapter 14 a couple of weeks ago. And I just want to remind you that this discourse, this conversation, these words that Jesus is speaking is happening at the Last Supper, after the Last Supper, right, where Jesus is uh, meeting with his disciples. They are sharing a Passover meal together. He gets up from the table. He washes their feet. Before that, he actually predicts that Judas is going to betray him, that Peter, their leader, is going to deny him, and he washes their feet. And after this, in the start of chapter 14, he says, Let not your hearts be troubled, but believe in the Father and believe also in me. A couple of weeks ago, I pointed out that Jesus is leaving. That is cause for concern, right? You've been following this rabbi for the last three years. He called you away from your trade, right? You were a fisherman at one point, right? And usually that meant is that like, you didn't have what it takes to go all the way through rabbi school, Right? You started off and you memorized scripture. You memorized the Torah. You, as a, as a good Jewish young man, you were going through schooling. And, and at some point, it, it just became apparent that you were going to take on the family business. So now you're a fisherman, but yet now this rabbi comes up to you and says, hey, follow me. And you're like, he deems me good enough to follow him. I'm in. I'm going to leave the family trade. I'm going to go and follow this, this beautiful, beautiful teacher. I'm going to follow Jesus. But now he says he's leaving. I've been following you for the last three years. And now you tell me you're leaving? Telling us that somebody amongst us, that Judas, the one that you share bread with, Judas is going to betray you? He ends up selling him out for 30 pieces of silver. Our leader, Peter, the denier. I'd imagine that these disciples are becoming nervous, that their hearts are becoming stirred and troubled. I don't know what he's talking about. Things have been going so well. We saw a lame man by the pool of Bethesda get up and walk. We saw him feed 5,000. We saw him walk on water. We saw how a man who was born blind had received his sight. And maybe the most amazing thing that we've seen thus far is that Lazarus, four days dead Lazarus, too far gone Lazarus, was raised from the dead. How could he say, now he's going to leave us? I'm sure all of this is making their hearts troubled and nervous. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, but believe in me. Right, circumstantial trouble. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago that the world is full of troubles. Anybody testify to that? Right? Look around. Have you, have you read the news? Have you, have you seen anything happening in the world? The world is full of troubles. But in a world full of troubles, you can have an untroubled heart. You can have a heart that is not troubled, even though the world could be falling, out, falling apart around you. And I think I, I pointed out a couple weeks ago, I think a big part of this is untying your hearts from the world. Right? The things that shift and change. The world is always changing, and I feel like technology has sped this up to the nth degree. 
culture shifting, the systems of the world, like, right? 2 Timothy 2.4 tells us we are on a mission and we are soldiers not supposed to be tangled up in civilian affairs. I mentioned in the past, I think the blessing of 2020, and 2020 is like the, the, the gift that keeps giving, isn't it? It's like the year that doesn't end, right? Now we're in 2022 and it's like the same old chaos, right? Just a different wrapper on it, but like, but the blessing of it, it, is, it has shaken us. It has shaken the world. If we had hoped in the systems of man, it has been shaken. Praise God. If you hoped in politics, how many of you know it? You've been sorely disappointed. If you've hoped in politics, if you've hoped in uh, economic systems, if you hoped in healthcare system, it doesn't matter. Like, even the American church has been shaken. Churches that have embraced uh, a prosperity gospel have been shaken. Churches that have embraced uh, a social justice gospel have been shaken. Churches that have incorporated the idols of our culture into the message of the church, really false gospels, praise God, they are shaken. But the two things that I mentioned, two things that I know will never be shaken are God and his word. We need to tether ourselves, to untie ourselves from the world and tether ourselves to God in the person of the Holy Spirit and his unchanging word. Two weeks ago, I encouraged us to get our eyes up. Get our eyes up. We don't belong here. The scriptures are clear. We don't belong here. We don't belong to this world. We're just passing through with a mission to bring Christ to a lost and hurting world. Are you living in that mission? Or are you grounded in this world and thus shaken like the rest of the world? I'm a big fan of AFV. Okay, I'm just, anyone, America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Anybody? No? Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm a dork that way. I'm, I'm really, like, I'm kind of goofy that way. I love watching people fall down. It's my favorite thing in the world. Like, no, I will, if you fall, I'm probably going to laugh, just so you know. And if I fall, I hope you have the opportunity to laugh. Like, I love it that much that, well, like, I, I've biffed it on some stairs, and I look around and go, does anybody see me? Not out of embarrassment, but I hope they got to enjoy that. Like, I hope they got to enjoy that moment. But, like, have you ever seen people trying to get in or out of a boat from the shore or from a dock? Right? Any of you fishermen here? Bob, you know what I'm talking about, right? That boat has a tendency to move. It shifts. The dock might be steady and sure, but the boat, and if you got one foot in the boat and one foot on the dock, you know what's going to happen, right? It slowly separates, and inevitably you end up in the water. I love it. I love those type of videos. Unfortunately, that can be us sometimes. We got one foot in the world, we got one foot grounded in the church, grounded in Christ, and if our foot is in the world, of course it's going to move. It shifts and changes all the time, and if you're tethered, if you're still tied to the world instead of solely tied, foot standing on the sure word of God, you are going to fall. So let our hearts be untroubled, tethered to the things that don't change. God himself and God's perfect word. This week I was reminded of one of my favorite <clears throat> verses I ran into a couple, couple years ago. I, I was reminded of it again. And 
reminded of it again this week. <clears throat> Psalm 18, verse 30, it says, This God, his way is perfect. Like just that line in itself. Like I need to preach that into my heart every day. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. When I am tethered to him, when I am tethered to his word, I can trust that this God, this God that I serve, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. And so last week, Ernie took us uh, further to verse 15. And today, I want to start with that text, but I want to work our way uh, a little bit backward through our text again today. And so um, let me find my text here. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 14, verse 15. Let's start there. We'll read to the end of the chapter, so stick with me here today. Excuse me. All right, here we go. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you, will, and you in me, and I in you. Excuse me. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not, is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, there it is again, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I, go, I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Before we move on, let's pray. Jesus, once again, we come before you. And God, I pray that we would come humbly to your word today. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see, that you would open our hearts to receive. God, I don't, I don't pray for just encouragement today, just for us to be motivated or hoorahed into some self-will, self-determination change. God, I pray for a deep change by your Holy Spirit today. God, that it would be less of us, less of our flesh, more of your Spirit alive in us, 
for the glory of you. So God, have your way in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, I'd like to work a little bit backwards through our text today. So we're going to start more towards the end of our passage. And so I'm going to just read once again, verse 27. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now, I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk with you much, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father commands me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. And then he says, rise, let us go from here. So this last portion of this text starts very similar to the very first part of our chapter. And it says, let not your hearts be troubled. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Similar to the start of the chapter, he says, believe. Believe in me. So at the end of the chapter, he's basically cluing in men, right, that he's going away. Once again, he's saying that he's going away and that stuff's going to happen, okay? It's all going to get shaken. It's like everything's going to hit the fan here in just a minute. It's all going to go down and he's hinting and alluding to it. Judas is going to betray, Peter's going to deny, he's going to leave, he's dying, and he's telling them about it before it happens. He's going away. It's going to seem like Judas's fault. He's going to betray me, he's going to sell me out to be killed. But Judas's betrayal is that he told them beforehand. He told them that beforehand so that they might believe in him and that they wouldn't just believe that he is the Christ, that he is God, that he has this special knowledge to predict the future, but he's telling them that, that they would believe and that it's all still going to plan. That it's all still going according to God's plan. The ruler of this world is coming, it says in verse 30. And it's going to seem like he's winning. It's going to seem like everything is starting to unravel and be shaken. The next 24 to 72 hours, it's going to seem like a nightmare. The shepherd is going to be struck. The sheep are going to scatter. Judas is going to be a backstabber. Peter, your leader, is going to deny that he knows me. It's going to look like I've lost. It's going to look like we've lost. It's going to look like Satan has won. But he says in our text today that he has no claim on me. It's all still going to plan. Some of your texts, it says that he has no hold on me. A literal Uh, usage of the Greek word here is that he's got nothing on me. He has no claim. Satan, the ruler of this world, he's a patsy. He's a tool. He's a piece of the plan. How could he have a claim on me? The text today says that he's the ruler of the world and I'm not of the world. I am not from this world, but my kingdom is eternal and I am Lord over all. How could he have claim on me? He's not in charge. 
He's not winning. He's a patsy in the plan. Verse 31 of our text, it says, But I do as the Father commands me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. You see, what, what's about to happen, the cross that awaits Jesus is simply him obeying the plan and will of the Father for the salvation and redemption of mankind, you and me. He poured it out in his shed blood. He brings us back into relationship with him. Sometimes, how many of you know that the circumstances of life, when life unravels, 2020, 2021, 2020, whatever it is, or specifically in your life, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, whatever it is, sometimes when it unravels, you're sitting there going, this can't be the plan. This can't be the plan. Like 2020 hit, you're like, this can't be the plan and will of God. Certain people get elected into office, and maybe it's not your guy. You're going, this can't be the plan. This can't be the will of God. But let me just assure you that he has never lost control. There is not a thing that happens in this life, in your life, that doesn't pass through the hands of God. And it all works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? We love to quote that verse. We love to quote that verse. Who love him, those who love him and are called according to his purpose, his plan. When Christ lays hold of our lives, when he takes claim of our lives, when he shed his blood, redeems us, and purchases us, he purchases all of us. And it's a tough thing to go, God, I'm all yours. Not on my terms, on your terms. I'm all yours. However you would use me and this life and this context, however you would use me for your glory, I'm yours. I'm a tool in the hands of my God. Yeah, except for when it sucks. <laughs> except for when it's uncomfortable. Then I don't want your will be, to be done. Except for when it's really tough and, and hurtful, I, I don't want your, it's hard for us to comprehend that a God who's loving could also allow some pretty bad things to happen to our lives. But again, remember, we're not of this world. We're not about this world. And I think the tension that we feel a lot is what I alluded to earlier, is that we got one foot ingrained in this world, in the comfort of this world, and especially in our area here, like in our affluent, comfortable American life, we got one foot in the world, we got one foot in the church, and when all of this starts to shake, it's like, ah, where are we going to land? We must be tethered to the Word of God and trust Him that it's all going according to plan. I would say, I would say it this way, like, I want to love the will of God. And I'm telling you this, guys, right now, I've been struggling recently. I've been uh, confiding in a couple of you guys here uh, for my community groups and stuff, like, I've been wrestling and struggling a lot lately with just being low, looking at everything, looking how everything seems to be unraveling, looking at all the, the fights, just the, the, the way this world is deconstructing everything, right? We're fighting over simple biology. <laughs> We're just fighting over 
gender identity, we're fighting over sexuality, like all of this stuff, like that seems so clear, is not clear, and you're going like, God, are you winning? Are you winning? He's like, Kev, I got it. I got it. I got, I'm still God, and I'm still in control. I'm still in control. In your life, in your life, do you know that he is still in control? That he's in control of governments and rulers, that he's established all of it, it says in his word? Do you trust that he is accomplishing his good work and perfect work in you for his glory, which is your good? To behold him and to cherish him and to take your foot off the boat, that thing that's shifting and moving, to find yourself more fully standing on him and his word? Good does not equal comfort in trouble-free living. His good for us means anchored in him, more fully and beautifully reflecting him, showing forth his glory so that this lost and hurting world, this well, even rebellious world, that they too might behold him. Do you love his plan? Do you trust his plan? Do you say with the psalmist that your ways are higher than my ways? And so, God, have your way. Sometimes it's tough for us to trust his plan. But I assure you, he has never, ever, ever lost control. He's God. It's not just his name. He's God. So, it's all going according to plan. And he tells them beforehand so that they would know that it's going according to plan. He says Judas is going to betray him. He says that Peter's going to deny him. He says that he's going away. And him telling them the plan should create a bit of peace in their hearts that when it happens, they go, okay, Jesus said that this was going to happen. But wait, there's more. Okay, he doesn't, doesn't just tell his disciples the plan and what's going to happen. He's going, to tell, he's, he's going to do something for them. In verse 16, let's read it together. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. A few verses down in verse 25, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Okay, so King James Version calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. The NIV calls him the advocate or the counselor, which is actually closer to the Greek. Uh, the Greek word uh, parakletos, um, D.A. Carson points out in his co commentary that helper is not bad, right? My, my text here today in the ESV says helper. It's not bad, but could have overtones of being subordinate, which of course are not supported by any text in Scripture. Counselor is not wrong, D.A. Carson says, as long as you're not thinking marriage counselor or camp counselor. But the, the word counselor, if you use that in the Paracletos, um, has legal Overtone. So legal counsel, someone who is a legal advocate, someone who is speaking and acting on behalf of someone else. And so Jesus promises, 
It's a promise of Jesus. That he's going to send the helper, the counselor, the advocate. And this helper is going to come and help the apostles. Remember and, and, and uh, remember all that Jesus said and did. When I read that, I can't help but think of the scriptures that we hold in our hands. Right? The, the helper is going to come and he's going to speak to the apostles. He's going to bring to remembrance all that Jesus said and did. And they're going to write it down. They're going to record it for us centuries later. That this Bible, that this Word of God is perfect. It's infallible because it's spirit-breathed. It is God-breathed. God is perfect. He breathed it out to reveal Himself so that we would cherish Him. That we would place our faith in Him. That He breathed it out to reveal who we are. Yes, the old person that we were and the new person made alive together with Christ it reveals to us who we are as well. So Jesus promises that he's going to send his presence in the Holy Spirit. And this presence, this abiding presence, this indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, along with that comes peace. You see, Jesus gives peace. He promises peace. And it's not like the world's peace, he says. The world's peace is all about circumstances. It's all about things going well. It's all conditional based on what's happening at the particular time. But Jesus, his peace is different. And it's different because it's rooted in a person. It's rooted in the person of God himself and the Holy Spirit. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And he's giving them, he's promising them the presence of himself, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. How many of you know that the word of God still explains what's going on today? See, Jesus, he explains his actions and he explains what's going to happen to the disciples and that should create some sort of peace. And in his word today, that, that infallible word that was breathed out by God, it still speaks to what's going on in the world today. It speaks to the condition of this world, to the condition of hearts, to the condition of, of fallen man, but it also speaks to the steadfastness, the absolute faithfulness of God towards his church. That this world is broken. It has nothing to offer us. And it's one day going to burn up. And I'm not talking about some weird end times doom and gloom theology, okay? Christ is going to come back. He is our blessed hope. He is our Savior. He is our peace. And he's gone ahead and he's gone to heaven to prepare a place for us in the Father's house. We talked about that just a couple weeks ago. Here it says that he's going to leave and that they should rejoice that he's leaving. Because he's going to prepare a place for them. He's going to return for us, his church. And, and just as he said, he will do it. A lot of times we think of the return of Christ. or We think of the end times. We're like we've been living in the end times since the book of Acts. Just so you know. We've been waiting for Jesus to come back since the book of Acts. A lot of times we start thinking about, you know, we see you know, everything happening in the world. We're thinking you know, everything's shaking out. And we're like, oh man, Jesus is coming. People get ready. Jesus is coming. And there's this whole piece of that whole like 
eschatology, this end times theology stuff where people get all nervous and scared and all of a sudden it's all about like bomb shelters and canned goods, right? Hunkering down, getting ready. Like for the church, for us who don't belong to this world, whose foot is not in the boat but is on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, it's not, it's, it's not bunkers and canned goods. It's let's tell everybody about Jesus. Let's be excited because the groom is coming. Like, there's, like a bride is not, well, a bride shouldn't be scared on her wedding day because the groom is coming. The, 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 the bride is full of excitement and anticipation because her groom is coming. Like for us, the return of Christ, when Jesus is coming back, that is excitement. That is, that is our blessed hope. That is why we preach what we preach. That is why we live what we live. That is why we hope in the Word of God. Because Jesus is true. He is faithful, and His Word brings peace. It's not just His Word that brings peace. It's the promise of the indwelling person of God and the Holy Spirit. The peace of Christ is different than the world's peace because it's the person of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside his church. Not only with you, it says in our text, not just walking beside you or walking with you, but dwelling in you. I know like in churches, sometimes in churches, and it's really tragic actually, there's a lot of mixed feelings about the Holy Spirit which is strange to me. Like, a lot of times people, talk, they, people start thinking about Pentecostal churches, crazy charismatic churches, like rolling in the aisles and doing all the crazy stuff and this or that and whatever. And because of that, like there's whole swaths of the church of God who stiff arm the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Because they're afraid of crazy. They're afraid of what's weird. They're afraid of whatever it is because of some charismatic church that they had experience with once or something they saw on TV and somebody throwing their coat at somebody or whatever it is, okay? But I, like, I want to encourage you. I want, like, this is a promise of Jesus for the church. This is a promise that, that God wouldn't just be walking with them, but that will be in them. That this presence of the Holy Spirit of God is going to produce in the church of God when the world is falling apart a peace. A peace and a grounding in Him. A couple chapters from now, in verse six, uh, chapter 16, he's going to say, it's better that I go because if I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's better that the Holy Spirit, like think about that. That baffles me because you've got a bunch of dudes who've been walking with Jesus for three years. They've seen him do amazing things. And Jesus says, it's better that I go because then I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the advocate. I'm going to send the comforter who's going to not just be with you, but to be in you. Chapter 20, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And of course, in the book of Acts, Jesus told them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, to go into the upper room and to wait that they would receive power the power that they needed to be the church of Jesus Christ to the glory of his name, that they would be witnesses. Do you get that? Do you get that? He sends the Holy Spirit so that they would be the church. That's a phrase that I use around here a lot. When we planted Mercy Hill Church, it wasn't that we were trying to build another church in the Lake Country area. 
It's not about building a church, building an organization. It's simply about being the church. And God's going to build and God's going to add numbers and God's going to do whatever he wants to do. That's his to worry about. We're simply going to be, hopefully, the church we see in scriptures. Just be the church. And in order to do that, we need the living God to live inside of us. We need the Holy Spirit. And for us to be effective witnesses, for us to be effective proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus, I, I, like, we don't need another program. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit alive in the church. And this is a gift that is only given to the people of God. So I've used a lot of, a lot of P words today. The promise of the presence of the person of God. And it's for the people of God. I don't, I'm not a big like alliteration guy, but this just worked so beautifully today. I could even throw peace in there, right? He says, my peace I give to you. Like all this presence, peace, presence. Like, oh, it's so good. But it's for the people of God. Let's read our text again, 15. Uh, verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Okay, the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. See that unity? Oh, that beautiful communion that we have with God because of Jesus. Whoever has, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and the Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. How beautiful is that? That this promise of the Holy Spirit, the indwelt presence of the promise of God the world does not know him. The world cannot receive him, right? Only those whom the Holy Spirit has opened their eyes to see and behold Christ. The people of God who are marked with the real love as we read in the end of chapter 13, right? This real love that serves, that washing feet kind of love. That's the kind of love that the disciples will be known for. This also here in our text today, says that if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments, that if you love me, if you belong to me, if you are my people, you'll be marked by love, but you're going to also be marked by a loving obedience to the word of God. A loving obedience to the word of God, and it does start with love. Loving as Christ loved them, right? A new commandment in verse 34 of chapter 13, it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. You go to John 15, next chapter. Uh, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Right? This is that first commandment, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It starts with love. If you belong to God, you will do his commandments. If you love 
God, it just isn't a word that you say or a feeling you feel in your heart. You're going to be a doer of the word. You're going to be a doer of the commandments. And I think we get really good sometimes at the thou shall not. I've said this a couple weeks ago too. Dan and I have talked about this recently too. The thou shall nots, we know to stay away from those. What about those things that we should be doing? Loving and serving like Jesus loved. Serving one another in the church like Jesus served. Looking for, looking for proactive opportunities too. How about go, the, go therefore into all the world and make disciples? How about going out and sharing the gospel? That is a command of Jesus that he has empowered the church by his spirit to be his witnesses. We're on a mission. We're sojourners passing through. We don't belong to this world, but we have this beautiful mission in Christ to be proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. If we love him, we're going to keep that commandment. We're going to be marked by a love that serves, marked by a love that gives. Today, as we wrap up, I'm going to ask Nate to come. We're going to worship again here for a few minutes. The two things that I bring to you today. If you love him and you belong to him, do you love to obey him? Not just the thou shalt nots. The love like Jesus loves. To serve our brothers and sisters. To lay down our lives for us, for our friends. Kind of love. Do we obey him and his commandments like that? Do we obey those commandments to go into the world, to go into our neighborhoods and to preach and proclaim the gospel, to make disciples? Do we love him? And obey his commandments. If we are in that place, he has promised us his Holy Spirit. The world can't receive him. The world doesn't know him. But us, the people of God, he has promised to give us the comforter, the helper, the advocate to not only be with us, but to live inside of us. Do we walk by this spirit or are we still walking in our flesh? Today in this place, maybe you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe uh, you need today more of the Spirit of God in your life. I need more of the Spirit. of This week there has been a battle in my flesh. And I've been pressing into the Spirit to pressing into the Spirit of God, not to quench Him, but to fan into flame that gift that God has given me, the Holy Spirit alive in me. Last night I was reminded of a text. Luke chapter 11. Starting in verse 9, it says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish instead of a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's got this beautiful gift for his church, for his glory, for our peace. 
today we just ask. Today we just ask. Ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to be alive in your life in a new and fresh way. So that you would be empowered to bring the gospel to your neighbors. That you would be empowered to share the gospel. That you would be empowered to be the church. The church that you see in scripture. The church of Jesus Christ. To the glory of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray. We're going to stand and then we're just going to worship. Today, if you've been struggling with obeying his commands, repent. Follow him. Turn. Ask for the Holy Spirit to help you live out the word of God. Just ask for more of him today. And I know that God is faithful. If I know anything about God, he is faithful. He is faithful to the cries of his people. He is faithful to his church. And if all of the talk about this Holy Spirit is like new and weird for you, or like, not weird for you, like new to you, maybe a little hesitant, a little, like I always say this, I just want what God has for me. I don't want anything more or anything less. I want God, what God has for me because I trust him with my life. So just ask for more of him. He's a faithful father who gives to his children. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for you. Thank you for your spirit alive in your people. So God, help us with your spirit. Send the helper. Send your spirit into our lives. Those of us who more uh, naturally gravitate to our flesh, walking by our flesh in our own means, our own direction, our own uh, self-determination. God, today I pray that we would walk in your spirit, that we would invite your spirit to dwell within us, to further fill us. God, that we would live beautifully and boldly, God, to the glory of your name, that we would be your church, simply just be your church, the bride, waiting for the bridegroom. God, we thank you and praise you that you are faithful to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, let's stand, let's worship God, spend some time in prayer. Let's glorify his name.